All right, hey Instagram. So here we are on the power of now. I'm trying to be a little bit more concise because um, I'm putting these up on my podcast because there were a couple of ladies that wanted to be able to listen to them during their commute, what have you. Hey Carmen, so we're going to be talking about the best relationship advice ever. Just continuing on with the discussion that we've had all week and all of last week via The Power of Now, which is a guide to spiritual enlightenment. This book is teaching us not only how to become our best selves, but also how we can learn how to conduct ourselves within our relationships and also understand more of the struggles that we go through in our relationships with other people so that we can learn how to transform, transmute that energy into something that's for our highest and best good. For those of you that do not know, my name is Yashika. I founded Yashika's Intuition over a decade ago and just recently founded YashikaLynn.com. I am an executive coach, a personal coach, a trainer, corporate trainer, consultant, all of the things. I'm very passionate about making sure or teaching you spiritual and personal development tools to help you learn that you can combine the two in order to live a powerful life. A lot of times we have this emphasis on this personal development without the spiritual piece, or we have these um, teachers that will go totally spiritual, but not bring any practicality to it. And what you need to understand is that if you want to live life from what you're going to hear me say is your power place, you want to be able to incorporate the two things together. So you all requested the power of now we are on, I think this is chapter, what is this chapter? Eight still we're at the end of chapter eight if you have the version of the book that I have we're on page 172 talking about relationships I'm gonna go ahead and get started if you've never attended this live um, those of you that are listening on the podcast um, please feel free to always email me if you have any questions or comments um, at yashika at yashikasintuition.com. But anyway, for those of you that are listening live, you know when you attend a live, there's a little bit of a delay. So if you have any questions or concerns or want me to repeat anything or clarify anything, make sure you put it in the comment box. If you have any personal stuff that you want me to help you through, put that in the comment box as well. If you're on Facebook, LinkedIn, or um, YouTube, I cannot see who you are unless you comment. So if you want to just say hi, just so I know you're there, then that's always helpful as well. All right, page 172, we're on the section talking about give up the relationship with yourself. So the question that we're going to be examining first today is when one is fully conscious, would one still have a need for a relationship? Would a man still feel drawn to a woman? would a woman still feel incomplete without a man? And so the answer to that is enlightened or not, you are either a man or a woman. So on the level of your form identity, you are not complete. You are one half of a whole. This incompleteness is felt as male, female attraction. And remember for purposes of this discussion, let's just talk about it more in an energy, a polarity. So this incompleteness is felt as male, female attraction, the pull toward the opposite energy polarity, no matter how conscious you are. But in that state of interconnectedness, you feel this pull somewhere on the surface or periphery of your life. Anything that happens to you in that state feels somewhat like that. The whole world seems like waves or ripples on the surface 
of a vast and deep ocean. You are that ocean and of course you are also the ripple. But a ripple that has realized its true identity as the ocean compared to the vastness and depth, the world of waves and ripples, it is not all that important. This does not mean that you don't relate deeply to other people or deeply to your partner. So when you're trying to become more conscious, become more enlightened, does that mean you, oh, you know, you're to the point where you don't need anything else? And he's saying, no, that's not true. You're still going to want to have that connection. Hey, Robert. Um, in fact, he says, you can relate deeply only if you are of a conscious being. So we talked about this. It doesn't matter who you are. If you are trying to create a relationship and you are not doing it from your power place, this place of awareness, of consciousness, of stillness, of being in the now, then it doesn't matter what you try to implement in your relationship. You are not approaching it we will say like as fully as you could up to its highest potential so therefore your relationship is not experiencing the highest potential that it could and so he's saying you only are able to relate deeply to another person or relate deeply within your relationships if you are coming from being because you are able to focus beyond the veil of form when you are approaching your life and your relationships from this space in being male and female are one your form may continue to have certain needs but being has no needs it is already complete and whole if those needs are met that is beautiful but whether or not they are met makes no difference to your deep inner state so it is perfectly possible for an enlightened person if the need for male or female polarity is not met to feel a sense of lack or incompleteness on the outer level of his or her being, yet at the same time be totally, completely fulfilled and at peace at the same time. And some of you that are on this journey are, are already, you know, you just living this day in, day out. You understand that, no, you don't need somebody. You feel complete and you feel whole without that person. But at the same time, it doesn't negate the fact that you still do desire that deeper connection with another person that is a being because that is one of the main reasons why we are put on this earth is to be social beings form relationships and experience um unconditional love which is like the highest form of expression for us human beings so the next question we're going to be talking about is is the quest for enlightenment in the quest for enlightenment is being gay a help or a hindrance or does it make any difference and Eckhart says as you approach adulthood uncertainty about your sexuality followed by the realization that you are different from others may force you to force you to disidentify from socially conditioned patterns of thought and behavior this will automatically raise your level raise your level of consciousness above that of the unconscious majority whose members unquestioningly take on board all inherited patterns 
So what he's saying is just by inherently having a different sexuality, you go against the grain of the paradigm and the conditioning that is prevalent in our society. And so you already are kind of breaking free from some of the, the norms and the things that we just inherit and we follow, but we don't often question if they're right or wrong. So that's what he's saying. So they already, um, just by choosing a different form of sexuality, you are already kind of making, creating a little bit of space for freedom in your life in that way. In that respect, being gay can be a help, he says. Being an outsider to some extent, someone who does not fit in with others or is rejected by them for whatever reason makes life difficult, but it also places you at an advantage as far as enlightenment is concerned, because it takes you out of the unconsciousness almost by force. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Hey, Miko and fake polo. All right. So on the other hand, if you develop a sense of identity based on your gayness, so this is important too, because just again, a sexuality is not really who you are, right? You can observe your sexuality. So you are still the observer above all of these things that we say are our identity. So on the other hand, if you've identified a sense of identity based on your gayness, you have escaped one trap only to fall into another. You will play roles and games dictated by a mental image you have of yourself as gay. You will become then unconscious. You will become unreal. Underneath your ego mask, you will become unhappy. So if this happens to you, then being gay will become a hindrance. But you always get another chance, of course, because acute unhappiness can be a great awakener. Because what did we talk about yesterday? Maybe we talked about is that when you start to feel uncomfortable feelings in your life, that is not a clue for you to go express them and especially, you know, act those out with other people. The first thing you need to do when you don't feel right is to center yourself in your power place and ask yourself why you feel uncomfortable. So he's saying even this unhappiness that you may feel when you start to make being gay or identity rather than just a part of who you are, right? Make it an identity means that you have put yourself in an ego box and you're going to maybe experience a little bit of unhappiness that we all experience when we put ourselves in these ego boxes. And so that is also a clue when you feel off to wake up and figure out what's going on. Um, isn't that true that you need to have a good relationship with yourself and love yourself before you can have a fulfilling relationship with another person? We hear that all the time, right? You, how are you going to love somebody else when you don't love yourself? So let's see what he says about that. If you cannot be at ease with yourself when you are alone, you will seek a relationship to cover up your unease you can be sure that the unease will then reappear in some other form within the relationship and you will probably hold your partner responsible for it. So that is kind of starting to show us that do you need to love yourself before you can love other people? I mean, probably because how do you know what love is if you can't be in a state of love for yourself? He said, all you really need to do is accept this moment fully. You are then at ease in the here and now and at ease with yourself. But do you need to have a relationship 
um, with yourself at all. <laughs> so a relationship, that's the key, the label, right? And he's saying, why can't you just be yourself? When you have a relationship with yourself, you have split yourself into two. I and myself, subject and object. That mind-created duality is the root cause of all unnecessary complexity of all problems and conflicts in your life. So I guess he's saying the same thing that I'm kind of saying. Love is just a state of being, right? And in order to be able to express that, you have to be able to feel that for yourself. But does that mean that you're in a relationship with yourself? Or does that mean that you're just being yourself um, and living in your highest and po most possible best, your, your best energy, your power place? In the state of enlightenment, he says, you are yourself. You and yourself merge into one. You do not judge yourself. You do not feel sorry for yourself. You're not proud of yourself. You do not love yourself. So he's describing it differently because I think love is a state, but he's saying you don't love yourself. I say that you be love, right? Um, you do not hate yourself and so on. So this split caused by self-reflective consciousness is healed and its curse is removed. There is no self that you need to protect, defend, or feed anymore. When you are enlightened, there is one relationship that you no longer have, the relationship with yourself. Once you have given that up, all your other relationships will be love relationships. All right, so we finished the relationship section a little bit early. If you guys have any questions about that, let me know. Um, let's find, let's talk about how to end our life drama. Because <laughs> um, now we're going into chapter nine. So we're, we're almost at the end of the book finally, guys. This has been a long journey. Um, hey, bats with love. I think, I hope I said that right. All right, so we're gonna talk about how to end our drama. So in that state of acceptance and inner peace, even though you may not call it bad, can anything still come into your life that will be called bad from a perspective of ordinary consciousness? Um, so Eckhart says about ending our drama. Most of the so-called bad things that happen in people's lives are due to unconsciousness. Hey, Monica. They are self-created or rather ego-created. I sometimes refer to those things as drama. When you are fully conscious, drama does not come into your life anymore. And he says, let me remind you briefly of how the ego operates and how it creates drama. So again, when you start to apply these principles of true spirituality, not the tarot cards, not the astrology, not all the stuff that's trending, when you actually start to be a person that is living in your power day in and day out, the drama just falls away. It falls away because we disidentify with these false conceptions and notions of who we are. It falls away because we start to create more um, healthy relationships with the people that we are in these relationships with. And remember, if we are trying to move on our path to be a better person, then what will happen is all of the drama will fade away because it won't be able to be able to stand the light that we are emitting 
in our life and in our relationships. So they're either going to come and join us or they're going to leave us. But either way, there starts to be peace in your life because that light is just so strong. The only thing that's going to be attracted to it is light or at least those that are wanting to be part of the light, right? So let me remind you of how drama is created, he says. So let's talk about how, how we create drama in our life. The ego is the unobserved mind that runs your life when you are not present at, as the witnessing consciousness, the watcher. We talked about this, when you are not living in your power place, when you have your mind out in front of you, like what's going on in your outer world, or you're all up in your head, or you're stuck in the past, or you're thinking about the future. All of these things pull you out of your power place and make you not present as the witnessing consciousness, the watcher. The ego perceives itself as a separate fragment in a hostile universe with no real inner connection to any other being surrounded by other egos, which it either sees as a threat or which it will attempt to use for its own ends. So that's, you know, talking about how typical relationships, even if we don't know we're doing it, we're getting in relationships to get our unconscious needs met by this other person instead of examining and, and, you know, getting those things from our own being in our own light, from living from that power place. So the basic ego patterns are designed to combat its own deep-seated fear and sense of lack. They are resistance, control, power, greed, defense, attack. Some of the ego strategies are extremely clever, yet they never truly solve any of its problems simply because the ego itself is the problem. When egos then come together, whether in personal relationships or organizations or institutions, bad things happen sooner or later. Drama of one kind or another in the form of conflict, problems, power struggles, emotion or physical violence, and so on. This includes collective egos like um, evils like war, genocide, and exploitation, all due to this massive unconsciousness. Furthermore, many types of illnesses are caused by the blockages, excuse me, by the ego's constant resistance, which creates restrictions and blockages and flow of energy through the body. And when you reconnect with being and are no longer run by your mind, you cease to create those things. You do not create or participate in drama anymore. Um, so let's see, Monica says, wow, this is such perfect timing. I feel like I've experienced drama for the first time in a long time in the past couple of weeks. Monica, you are right on time because the conversations that we've been having for the past two weeks have been especially about drama relationships, ups and downs, but particularly the conversation that we had yesterday, I think is going to help you out because we were talking about how a lot of times when things start to feel a little off in our life, what we try to do is look at these outer things and try to figure them out, try to change them, try to fix them, try to analyze them, all of the things when the first thing that we need to do in order to 
not fall victim to the unconscious cycle that drama creates is say, okay, something's a little bit off. I need to wake up and I need to look at my own energy and I need to be present and in my power. And when I'm confronted with a person or a thing or a circumstance or a situation that I feel is triggering me to want to react, then what I need to do is when I'm in that situation, really step into my light, right? And then almost, I was talking to Greg about after we had our live yesterday, and I was saying that, okay, so when you feel off, the first thing you need to do, right, our, that's our clue that we need to check in with ourselves because something is happening and we need to really snap into our power place. It's almost like a trigger, not a trigger to react, trigger to, uh-oh, let me make sure I don't become unconscious and let me make sure I'm standing in my power. That's the number one thing. But then the number two thing, especially in relation to another person, um, we talked about, you know, when you are the light, then the people around you cannot help but either come to the light, right, and be transformed by the light or they will leave. So then the number two activation that you could do, and you could even imagine it, is like you are literally sending love and light. You're not participating in any drama. You're not having any conversations that are of the ego anyway, because we all have our own opinions and beliefs, right? So just imagine you just are sending the light to the situation and let it go. Um, Monica also said, most certainly this is a result of egos. Some experiences were sexist. Another last night was a friend letting me down due to her ego, right? And and Monica also, you have to um, then come back to yourself as well because we have to examine ourselves in relationship to the person that we, people that we are relating to because they are a mirror. So if there's a lot of ego stuff coming up and your friend is letting you down, how did your friend let you down, right? Because even that is saying that there's a level of freedom that needs to happen on your part from your ego in order for your friend, for you not to feel let down due to your friend's ego, right? Um, I hope that what I'm saying makes sense, but these conversations will probably help you out a little bit because a lot of the, the suffering that we experience, Eckhart is, you may want to, girl, you may need to <laughs> go back here and do this whole book study because it will get you all the way together. Um, because then it may cause a different reaction just in a simplistic term on what these people are giving you. You may react a little bit differently to them. All right. So he said, whenever two or more egos come together, drama of one kind or another ensues. But even if you live totally alone, you can still create your own drama. When you feel sorry for yourself, that's drama. When you feel guilty or anxious, that's drama. When you let the past or the future obscure the present, then you are creating time, not the time that, not chronological time. Remember, we learned about psychological time, the stuff out of which drama is made. Whenever you are not honoring the present moment by allowing it to be, then you are creating drama. Most people are in love with their particular drama. Their, their story is their identity. The ego runs their life. They have their whole sense of self invested in it. Um, even they're usually unsuccessful search for an answer, a solution, or for healing becomes a part of their identity, their ego, and their drama. What they fear and resist most is the end of their drama. 
as long as they are their mind and remember we learned it's not just your mind as long as you are your mind and as long as you are your feelings what you fear and resist most is the key to your own awakening that is the key to where your opportunities lie hey alchemy and thanks for the hearts that i just saw a few moments ago when you live in complete acceptance of what is that is the end of all drama in your life nobody can even have an argument with you no matter hard he or she tries you cannot have an argument with a fully conscious person because an argument implies identification with your mind and a mental position as well as resistance and reaction to the other person's position remember which we are not supposed to be getting all triggered by these other people if we're living in our power place right so the the result is that the polar opposites become mutually energized these are the mechanics of unconsciousness you can still make your point clearly and firmly but there will be no reactive force behind it no defense no attack so it won't turn into drama when you are fully conscious you cease to be in conflict no one who is at one with himself can even conceive of conflict states of course and miracles this refers not only to the conflict with other people but more fundamentally to the conflict within you which ceases when there are no longer any clashes between the demands and the expectations of your mind and what is let's see do we have room for more i'm now i'm in chapter nine i'm picking out things that i think will help us out here let's talk about using and relinquishing negativity we'll have to continue on with this discussion next week remember guys we're here monday through friday 7 p.m central standard time or monday through thursday 7 p.m central standard time so let's start off um with using and relinquishing negativity and then we'll just continue with that uh, monday so all inner resistance is experienced as negativity in one form or another all negativity is resistance in this context the two words are almost synonymous so negativity and resistance are the same thing negativity ranges from irritation or impatience to fierce anger from a depressed or a sullen mood or resentment all the way to suicidal despair and sometimes the resistance triggers this emotional pain body we learned about that it triggers the emotional pain body in which case even a minor situation can produce intense negativity such as anger depression or deep grief the ego believes that through negativity it can manipulate reality and get what it wants it believes that through it it can attract a desirable condition or dissolve an undesirable one a course in miracles rightly points out that when you are unhappy there is the unconscious belief that the unhappiness buys you what you want if you you he put in quotes the mind did not believe that unhappiness works why would you create it 
The fact is, of course, that negativity does not work. Instead of attracting a desirable condition, negativity stops desirable conditioning conditions from arising in your life. Instead of dissolving undesirable conditions, negativity keeps undesirable conditions right where they are. It's only useful function, the only useful function that negativity or resistance plays in your life is that it strengthens your ego. And so that's why your ego loves to be resistant and loves to be negative. So once you have identified with some form of negativity, you do not want to let go. And on a deep unconscious level, you do not want positive change. This is hard to hear, right? Because you can think that you want things to change for yourself and you can try to create goals and intentions and really say that you are on this path to create a better life. But when you start to have resistance around your intentions and your goals and the things that you want to create on a deeply unconscious level, you have to somewhat admit that if you are self-sabotaging or not doing what it is that you need to do to move forward, then you don't want the change. The change would threaten your identity as maybe a depressed person, an angry person, or a person that life has you know thrown you curves or trauma or a fat person or uh, an unlovable person. We love to create a story for ourselves. And so on a subconscious level, we are resistant when it's time to change those type of things, even if we say we don't want them or even if we say we want them. So you will then ignore, deny, or sabotage the positive in your life. This is a common phenomenon and it is also insanity. Negativity is totally unnatural. It is a psychic pollutant and there's a deep link between the poisoning and the destruction of nature and the vast negativity that is accumulated in the collective human psyche. No other life form on the planet knows negativity, only humans, just as no other life form violates and poisons the earth that sustains it. Have you ever seen an unhappy flower? or a stressed oak tree? Have you ever come across a depressed dolphin, a frog that has a problem with self-esteem, a cat that not, cannot relax, probably a cat, yeah, because they pick up on our energy, or a bird that carries hate and resentment? The only animals that may occasionally experience something akin to negativity or show signs of neurotic, oh, look, he, Me and him are always on the same page. Let me go back. All right. So the only animals that may occasionally experience something akin to negativity or show signs of neurotic behavior are those that live in close contact with humans and so link into the human mind and its insanity. And do not even get me going on these emotional support animals. They did not ask for your drama. (laughs) They, um, as that's my animal advocacy. They did not ask for this neurotic behavior that you're choosing to impose on these pets because you can't get yourself together and you're living in insanity. All right. So one more paragraph and we'll call it a night. Um, So watch any plant or animal and let it teach you acceptance of what is. Surrender to the now. Let it teach you being. Let it teach you integrity, which means to be one, to be yourself, to be real. Let it teach you how to live and how to die and how not to make a living and and how not to make living and dying into a problem. 
All right. So thank you all for joining me. We will continue on Monday with the, the discussion for negativity in chapter nine. If you are listening to what I am saying and you have tried to create balance and peace and you've tried to learn how to not let the past impact you and not be stuck in the past and you've tried to move forward in a more healthy way and restore your inner connection to yourself and no matter what you are trying is not working, then you may need help with application. That is usually when you have reached a point in your own journey where you need help. And so if you would like to work with me privately, then I do have a couple of slots for private clients. You can either reach out to me directly by DMing me or messaging me on the platform that you're watching this from, or you can send me an email. My email is yashika at yashikasintuition.com. And then we can talk about if it would be a good fit for you to transition into private coaching. Second thing, if you want to get text reminders for when we go live and also get a link to a free class that'll kind of help you do some of this work on your own, if you're new to this, then you can also text the word mastery to the phone number 833-231. 4407 in order to get my free five-day class that'll kind of walk you through some of these things you can do on your own. Monica said, thanks. So glad I popped in. I have to go back to the past videos. Monica, I'm so happy that you popped in as well. The way, the easiest way for you to find them all is to go to my YouTube channel, Yoshika's Intuition. They're on a playlist called The Power of Now. And that will be where you can find them all and start to go through them. If you get really crazy and you want to binge, we also did the the um, Atomic Habits the month before. All right. I will see you on Monday at 7 p.m. Central Time. Have a good weekend. Bye.